Philippines as well. Florida going to have a busy October. A lot of new things happening. We have women's meeting in the first part of October. Another fellowship after church. I'm sure uh, for those of you who like hot dogs. And if you don't like hot dogs, just get out. Sue, you said your favorite is hamburgers, but she had a hot dog. <laughs> but a nice time of fellowship, and I'm glad everybody enjoyed that time together. So it's one last time here in the fall before the snow comes. Did I say that? <laughs> Ephesians, the sixth chapter, uh, wanted to very timely way here as we a lot of times when I when I go through a book I don't match up things all the time I don't try to uh, but sometimes it sort of falls in line and this morning we are down in verse 21 these last four verses we're just going to talk about verse 21 verses 21 and 22 today uh, and it sort of ties in with the concept of communion a bit with the body Paul is ending this this book on this note, which is very interesting. So let's just read verses 21 and 22 of Ephesians 6, and probably next week we'll finish this book and then figure out where we're going to go from there. I think I think after we finish Ephesians, Jesus is coming back. Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, never mind. Uh, verse 21 of Ephesians 6. But that you may also know my affairs and how I am doing. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Paul uh, does this quite often as he ends books. He'll, he'll mention individuals, greet so-and-so, greet so-and-so. Uh, Romans, the, the 16th chapter, Corinthians 15, he, he does that, and several other books he does that. Here he does it a little bit differently. He does not mention anybody in particular because the the letter of Ephesians is what's called a circular letter, letter or a cyclical letter, and it it was to be sent to all the various churches. So it started in Ephesus, and then it was sent to all the other churches as well. It was to cycle through that entire city to everybody uh, in the city of Ephesus, and so he doesn't really greet too many people, but he mentions Tychicus, and uh, I think in in one short closing paragraph. Paul encapsulates all that he was describing in the previous chapters. He was talking about uh, all of the, the wonderful blessings that we have, and then he jumped right into the body and how important body ministry is and how important it is that, and we'll see this in a bit, in, in a bit later, how the body works together to nurture itself and to cause growth and things like that, and all of the gifts that the Lord has given us, not only ministry gifts, but gifts in the body to nurture and bless one another. And uh, so it seems like he ends up this book by giving us a neat little flesh and blood example of an Ephesian Christian. And what's what's wonderful about this when he does these kind of things is um, it's probably Tychicus is probably not a famous person. He's probably not an eloquent person. We don't even know. We don't know anything about his teaching. We don't know anything about his ministry. We're not sure about anything. But evidently, he was loved respected and admired by many people and he was used of God and we'll see in a few moments where he was 
but he was used of God, and he was evidently very efficient, very faithful, just a blessing to a lot of people. I don't know about you, but I want to be a blessing to a lot of people. I, I've always said it. I don't, I don't want to leave someone's presence, and after I leave, they look at somebody else and go, thank God he's gone. And, you know, we, none of us want that. We, we, we want to leave someone's presence, and they, th- and they think, wow, I feel better now that I met that person. I feel better. I feel uplifted after leaving that person's presence. And uh, so that seems to be what Tychicus was like. But I've mentioned not much is known about him. He's mentioned uh, in Acts, the 20th chapter, in 2 Timothy 4, in Titus 3, and in Colossians 4. And we'll reference those probably a bit later. But we're going to look at his characteristics, and I'm going to quickly go through these. I, I usually just have a few uh, a few um, uh, uh, points for you, but this morning we're going to have quite a few, so I'm, I'm just going to move through these very quickly. But we'll see that, number one, he was devoted to service. Number two, he was faithful in service. Number three, he was devoted as a fellow laborer. He was working with Paul. He had a loving spirit. And finally, he was sympathetic and tenderhearted. That seems like the touchstone he lies. So we'll, we'll go over these here again in a moment. But number one, he was devoted to service. In that 21st chapter, uh, it, it seems like Paul sees him as such a devoted servant. He calls him a faithful minister, a faithful servant. You know, uh, if you've studied scripture long enough or been around this long enough, you know that the word minister is actually diakonos, from which we get deacon. So we, 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 to be a minister actually means you're in service to the body. So he was devoted to service. And one of the best ways many times to understand something is to see the opposite of that thing. So that helps us to understand what that thing is. So here's a good one for you. And you can go back in Matthew, the 19th and 20th chapter. You know the story, but you can go back there and read it uh, in the 20th chapter in particular. We can see a very selfish self-serving request made by the mother of James and John. (laughs) Many of you know the story, but here's the whole story. It's interesting, in the 19th chapter of Matthew, Jesus promised his disciples that they would sit with him on 12 thrones. That's a pretty cool promise. And uh, so to these guys that were just normal everyday guys most of them luke was a doctor but most of them were just normal everyday guys and and his promise in in matthew 19 chapter was that he would sit with them when he reigned but jesus said it in a very interesting way he said you'll sit on 12 thrones and reign with me in the regeneration that's sort of a weird word sometimes jesus does weird words to sort of catch us off guard and make us think a little bit And that word is actually only used two times in Scripture. The first time is there with Jesus. And then the second time is in Titus, the third chapter, when Paul says, not by works of righteousness, but according to his mercy, he has saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. It's the only other time. So it seems like that word regeneration means salvation. It means the new birth experience. So I believe first and foremost, what Jesus was saying to the disciples at that moment was, When I conquer death and I am raised, salvation will be yours and you'll be enthroned with me in the kingdom of God 
and there'll be a future thing too, probably, maybe 12 thrones there in heaven. But for now, you're going to be enthroned with me. And haven't we read that in scripture in Ephesians, that we are seated with him in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers. So I think that what Jesus was initially saying there was, when you accept me as your savior, finally, after I'm resurrected and ascend to the father, you're going to be sitting with me in the heavenly realms. Now, here's the interesting part about this. In the Luke, the 18th chapter, when Luke recounts this whole story, and I'm digressing here, but just stay with me. You know, sometimes you've got to digress. And hopefully we don't digress too far and we can't climb our way out, but we're going to try. So in the 18th chapter uh, of Luke, Jesus, uh, Luke records it this way. He says all that stuff about seated with him in the 12. He, he used all that information. <laughs> but then he says, he adds one little line. Jesus said, he took the 12 aside. He said, we're going to go to Jerusalem. I'll be delivered to the Gentiles and be mocked and insulted and spit upon. Luke says, but they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, for they did not know the things that took place. So when Jesus said, you're going to sit on me, sit with me on 12 thrones, I believe the apostles had no idea what he was talking about. And the, mayor, the mother of James and John was also listening, and all she heard was thrones. <laughs> so all they were thinking was, hot dogs. Jesus is going to defeat Rome, and we're going to sit like kings with him. We're going to sit on thrones. Wow. Then along comes the mother, and, and the word says she came to Jesus worshiping. She, she heard thrones, and then she saw her son, and suddenly she got very spiritual. She came worshiping. Could my two sons sit on one hand and the other on the other hand when you come into your kingdom? Because I'm spiritual and I'm worshiping you. <laughs> I don't know. That just sparked something in me. And Jesus, you know his response, he said, are they willing to drink the cup I'm going to drink? But remember, Luke they understood none of this. They were just still hearing thrones, hearing thrones, none of this. So Jesus looks at them and in essence says, you know, the cup I'm going to drink, uh, I'm going to be beaten, mocked, and spit upon. Um, you know that first, you're going to sit with me in the kingdom, but first, one of you is going to be beheaded. Another of you is going to be crucified upside down. And, and, they, and they looked at Jesus, and the first thing they said was, do you hear that? Thrones, I tell you. Thrones. Yes, sir. Above all those self-righteous Pharisees. Thrones. I'm telling you what. Rome's going to be gone and we're sitting on thrones. And Jesus said, some of you will be boiled in oil. One of you is going to be run through with a spear. The other one's going to be banished to a prison island. But they understood none of it selfishness, that's not service, that's selfishness, 
already, already, with one statement, they were jockeying for position. Servanthood was out the window. But they were already jockeying. Well, wait, well, wait a minute now. Who's going who's to be on throne number one? I mean, there's going to be throne number one and two. I mean, there's got to be 12 of them, right? So throne number one, throne number two, you know, hey, uh, I have seniority. He chose me first, so I think I have to be on throne one. And then, and then Luke says, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. I have a Ph.D. You know, I'm a doctor. I, I have a Ph.D. I'm a college professor over here. Uh, I, I'm, I need to be at least on one or two, right? Well, no, 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 wait a minute. Now, I've been in business for 20 years. You know, I've dealt with a lot of people. I need to be on one of those thrones. But they understood none of these things. Even when Jesus said, the end of the passage, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. But they understood none of these things. <laughs> we know what service is now, don't we? We know what Jesus meant when he said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. We understand what Jesus meant when he said, the least in the kingdom will be the greatest in the kingdom. We understand now what it means to be a servant. And what they exhibited was not the heart of a servant. Servanthood is not jockeying for position. Servanthood is, you know what, I'll, I'll tell you what, let me be very blunt with you, okay? You know I've been very blunt in the past. I'll be very blunt in, with you right now. I don't know, there are so many people that want to be a pastor. I have no idea why anyone would want to be up here. I have no idea. It is, it is the most, you people are all wonderful. You're very loving, and I love you. Anna, you're great people. But I have no idea why anyone would want to stand in this pulpit other than if you're called there. There are so many other things in life that any of us could be doing that would make more money and make more of this and more of that and have less hassles. Not that any of you are hassling me because you're all wonderful. You are all just so wonderful. No, I, I truly do mean that, though. You're, you're a very mature body, which is, which is really good. But I don't, I, don't know why, I don't know why people jockey for position to get stuff in the kingdom. It's not worth doing that, folks. It's worth jockeying for yourself to get his calling in your life and serve him. That's what you need to be doing. So evidently, Tychicus was an individual who did know what service was all about. He knew that service cost him. He knew that service was expensive. He knew that service would challenge him to do things he normally couldn't do. It was this Tychicus who accompanied Paul through Macedonia and Asia. Remember, it was the Macedonian saints that were in great poverty. So Tychicus went into that situation where there was great persecution and great poverty, and he helped the saints of God there. It was this Tychicus who helped Paul escape from Greece and go to Troas. It was this Tychicus who went to Ephesus and was involved in that church. It was this Tychicus who stayed in Nicopolis with Paul all winter long and ministered in that area. It was this Tychicus who came to Rome to get a letter and bring it back to Ephesus and then on to Colossae. It was this individual that served him with Without any trumpets, without any blaring, without any spotlights, without anything, he just served God. We know nothing of his teaching, we know nothing of his preaching, we know nothing of his ministry, but we know that he was a beloved brother and faithful minister. Oh my goodness, can you imagine if you get to the end of your life and you stand before the throne and that's what people say about you? 
I mean, this guy, he had no 501c3 organization. He had no CD ministry. He, he, had, he had no disgrace book page, right? He had no Instasham account. He wasn't on TBN. TBN, is that still a thing? Is there a TBN? I think there's TBN still. Wasn't on TBN. Nobody knew about this guy. And, and think about the travel in those days. You didn't just hop in your air-conditioned car and put the cruise control on, folks. You, it was hard travel. You didn't just pull out your MasterCard at the Marriott and say, I'm here to, for some ministry. You, you, you didn't get on a plane. You didn't get on a private jet. You didn't even get on a commercial jet and fly somewhere. No, no, no. There was no waiting in air-conditioned airports while you waited for your flight and you ate peanuts and had coffee and then flew somewhere and got off and had a little bit of jet lag. No, no, no. This was hard travel, folks. This was, you had to be devoted if you were going to do this. And evidently, he was devoted. He was devoted as a beloved servant to the Lord. Second thing is, he was faithful in service. I'll go through these more quickly, because if you're keeping time, you're probably thinking, oh my Lord, we're going to get out here at 2 o'clock. These go real quickly, honest. Uh, He was faithful in service, number two. Go back to Ephesians 4th chapter, verse, t- verse 15, which we, which we talked about, where, where Paul says that we need to grow up in, we need to grow up in, we need to grow up. Did I say that already? A couple times, huh, didn't I? Grow up in all things into him, Jesus, who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. That is so interesting there. He didn't say what the word supplies or what the Holy Spirit supplies. Now, we know that's true. We know everything we have is from the word. We know that the Holy Spirit inspires everything of the word into us. But in that particular case, Paul was very specific. He says, you and I supply each other's need according to the effective working by which every part does its share and causes growth of the body for the edifying, the building up, of itself in love. Wow. Faithful service brings blessing. It brings growth. It brings ministry to each other. And that's the way it should be. And, and I'm not, and, and, and please, get, get out of your head, get out of your head that I'm talking about potlucks at the church, <laughs> working in the children's program, doing, you know, coming to the church and fixing something at the church. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about the body of Christ. We're talking about being together, one with the other, ministering one to another during the week, where we're at, at work, at home, ministering to somebody. Hey, what do you need? I, I want to be a blessing to you. What You need some help here. You need some help there. Or, or let's get together and pray. I just, let's get together and worship. Let's get together. Whatever. It's the body coming together to grow itself. So he was faithful in that type of service, ministering to the body all the time. There are so many, and I, I have said this over and over again. I think I said it probably when we were in this in Ephesians with our gifts. You know that whatever problem you're having today, there is somebody in, the, somebody in this church that's gone through it. I don't, seriously, I don't care what the problem is. I don't care what you have experienced. Maybe you're 
maybe you were confused by your walk on the moon. <laughs> you were one of the astronauts. Well, maybe we can't help you with that. But everything else, everybody in this room has experienced every difficulty that life, we've experienced death of spouses, death of children, divorce, sickness, all sorts of things. Every one of us has experienced it. So in this body, there is somebody that the Holy Spirit can use to minister to you, to bring you strength in your joints, if you will, and bring you to the next level. And that was Tychicus. Third one is, he was devoted as a fellow laborer, laborer. Remember, he was, the joints were supplying every need. They were supplying every need. I, I think I shared this with you before, uh, years and years ago when I was pastoring. We, we, we have this thing that, <coughs> that we think pastors uh, have all the answers. <laughs> now, some pastors act that way, but some of us are still, we're still trying to find the answer for what in the world we're doing, and we're 62. And uh, I remember one time a, a brother came up to me in church. He says, can I come and talk to you, Pastor? I said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I made an appointment, came into the office, we sat down, and he said, you know, I just received a, a large sum of money from a, a family thing. And, and he says, I just, I have some questions about investment. <laughs> you know, looking back, I should have said, just make the check out to David Brazili. <laughs> I was like, questions, brother, I have, the, I have questions too. What? I said, no, you need to go to talk to a businessman or something. You need to go talk to somebody that's into finances. I, I, I can't help you with that. What in the world would make him think that I, especially at the time, I was, I think, probably only 33 or 34 or 35. What made him think that, boy, I must have really talked like a smart person. Faked him out. The joints supply every need. If you have a financial question in your life, I bet you there are people in here that could answer that. I bet you they know everything about that. But, but, but wow. So th this does not mean, when you're a fellow laborer, this does not mean that you spend 20 hours a week working at the church or doing spiritual things. It does mean that you labor together with the body of Christ in whatever capacity you have. That's why I'm very careful as a pastor. I'm very careful about events at a church of having too many events and too many programs because, number one, that can cause burnout because you and I both know it's going to be the same 10 to 15 to 20 percent that are doing all the work. So we're very careful about that. Number two, programs and things like that, they're great, but they can distract from the work of Christ. You can get so busy doing church stuff that you forget there's a world that's dying. And we can't do that. We have to concentrate on the world. The body needs itself to grow. And all of us are at different levels. And you can't make a 2-year-old do the work of a 12-year-old. You can't make a 16-year-old do the work of a 30-year-old. I believe that's what's so wonderful about this communion aspect. Is that this shows the body of Jesus Christ. And how he has nurtured himself into us. And we are called alongside then to labor with one another. And that was a picture of Tychicus. That was a picture of, of him doing everything that Paul said in this letter. Coming together to work with the body. So he was faithful in service. He was a fellow laborer. The, the next one is he had a loving spirit. He had a loving spirit. The, wor the word says uh, several words in here that are just so wonderful. Um, uh, the faithful minister, of course. But in verse 22, uh, comfort, comfort. Comfort. I, I love that. 
his spirit was a comforting spirit. He had a loving spirit that secured other people's love because he comforted them. Once again, when I come into the presence of somebody, I want to try to be able to comfort them. I want to be able to walk away knowing I've comforted them. When someone comes into my presence, there are so many times I want to feel the comfort of the Holy Spirit through that person. I do not want to feel like I have to go home and take a shower. I want to feel comfort. Comfort. So he had a loving spirit. And finally, he had a sympathetic and tender-hearted spirit. Sympathetic and tender-hearted spirit. Can I, can I give you a word of advice? I, I, I this take, take this as, uh, from a brother in the Lord. But as it pertains to everything that's going on in crazy Babylon right now, you know, outside these four walls, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, and I can understand if I had a son or a daughter in the military, I'd probably be really angry right now. But it's crazy out there. So let me just give you a quick word of advice. Be nice as a Christian. (laughs) Some of you are smiling at me. That's good. That's a good sign. Be nice. Be nice. Be nice to Donald Trump. Be nice to Joe Biden. Be nice to Antifa. Be nice to BLM. Be nice to the Proud Boys. Be nice to those people that got the vaccine. Be nice to people that those who didn't get the vaccine. Just be nice. Oh, it's quiet as quiet could be in here. I love it when it gets quiet. It means you're thinking. Just be nice. It's easy to be a smart-mouthed idiot. It's easy. And people send me memes all the time. Those of you who know what memes are, if you don't know what memes are, don't worry about it. And some of them are hilarious, and but some of them, they're just, they can get really mean. And, you know, just, just be nice. I, be, I believe that Tychicus was a nice guy. Like, like Barnabas, son of consolation. And, and every one of us can get an, can get a, an opinion, because you know what opinions are like. You know what opinions are, right? They're like noses. Everybody's got one. And we can get, and that's not what the saying is, (laughs) every one of us can have one, and we can get nasty. I can get just as nasty as the next person, but I believe our struggle is to be sympathetic and tenderhearted. Oh, that's hard to do. Every person that you see right now, almost every person in the world, is going flaming nuts in one direction or another, one direction or another. And our goal is to all of them to be sympathetic and tenderhearted. You can have an opinion, that's fine, but just realize that your opinion is worth nothing. (laughs) It's fine to discuss, it's fine in a small group to, to just, you know, go at it, that's cool, that's fine. But we've got to remember to be sympathetic and tenderhearted. I, I like it. I like it this way. Matthew the ninth chapter. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sick and diseased person among them. And I love the next verse because it says, 
But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they were weary and scattered as sheep having no shepherd. They were confused and aimless. Now you got to remember what the, the crowd that Jesus saw, you know who they were. They were everything from young children to, to Pharisees and Sadducees to religiously arrogant people to Roman soldiers to everybody in between. And he looked on them and he said, I have compassion on them. Our goal is to deliver this communion first to each other with compassion and love and tenderheartedness and sympathy and then to a weary and scattered world. Say, so how do we do that? We do it just like Tychicus. We do it with a loving spirit. We do it with a sympathetic spirit. We do it with a tender spirit. Don't forget that when you look at that unsaved person that's doing all those wrong things, you used to be just as stupid as them. You used to be making the same mistakes as them. You used to be going down the same stupid path as them, wandering aimlessly in the dark. We all did the same thing. We need to pour ourselves out like an offering. We need to be broken like bread to feed the hungry. Well, they don't deserve it. Yes, that's right. And neither did you and neither did I. Well, is it worth it? Is it a waste? Boy, I sure am glad that Jesus didn't question before he came to earth and say, I don't know if I want to go down there because it might be a waste of everything I'm doing. No, he came. Tychicus was that kind of guy, evidently. Seemed to just go. And he went there with a sympathetic, loving, and tender spirit. That's what we need. So if you want to find out what we're doing today in these last days, just read those last couple verses. Think about Tychicus and all the labor and say, Jesus, I want to be just like him. I want to follow his path with that same type of spirit. Let's just bow our heads. Father. I thank you for guys like this, Tychicus, who we, we don't know anything about. We'll, we'll, we'll know him in heaven. I'm, I'm sure right now my, my father, my grandparents, others who have gone on before, probably sitting at a table eating pasta with him, sitting at a table having a good time of fellowship. So that's what you did, Tychicus. Oh, so, so that's why Paul loved you so much. Wow, what a blessing you were to that group and to this group and to that group. All around, you were a blessing to Jews and to Greeks and to barbarians and Scythians and slave people and free people. Wow, what a, what a blessing, what a blessing. And Father, that's what we want to be. Above everything else, we want to be a blessing to people that are lost, a blessing to people that are confused, a blessing to those that are wandering. We want to feed the hungry. We want to clothe the poor. We want to do everything we can to help, and we'll do it as we walk in that loving, sympathetic, and tender spirit and labor before you. We thank you for it. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. And you know, what did Jesus say? He said, what did you, what did you come out to see in the wilderness when you came out to see me? And he hearkened back to Isaiah, I believe it was, one of the early prophets that said, Jesus was a tender shoot out of dry ground. You know, when you think about that, how does a tender shoot that needs so much nourishment grow out of dry dirt? Well, the only way it can is if somebody is nourishing it so it can grow. 
How many know that you're a tender shoot out of a dry world right now, and the only thing that's nurturing you is Jesus? And the world wants to see that tender shoot. They want to ask you where that comes from. Your brothers and sisters need to see that tender shoot. You and I need to see that tender spirit in all of us reaching out to the lost. Because that's what it's all about. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the name. Turn around. Bless somebody. Go forth praising him. You're dismissed in his name to worship him.